Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto, coming to you once again from Whistler, Canada. Um, the last few days have been a whirlwind for me. I was in Tanzania uh, leading and uh, helping guide a group of trekkers up famed Kilimanjaro up to 5,895 meters. So that's like 19,430 feet. And for these two weeks, I was completely on a different time zone, daily schedule and uh, and whatnot. And it was pretty wild, I have to say. We uh, we accomplished a big feat and, uh, and climbed a mountain that for a man that comes from lower altitude per se, the altitude was challenging for me while the trek itself was easy. So so that's one of those uh you know strange things about a mountainous so but I'm proud to say that I have now uh been to the roof of Africa and uh look forward to guiding many more people to come up that aways. Um so I got back yesterday and after about 36 hours of travel um, I thought, you know, what my, what's my first podcast going to be about? And the joy uh, and wonder of seeing my little ones again made me say, you know what? Let let me talk about today about something that's close to heart and uh, and how we're trying to to raise our kids. So today, I'd like to speak to you about how to let your kids take risks from skiing to climbing trees. Why it's good for them. Risky behavior adds a lot to your child's development. The first child I find in a family tends to be more risk-averse because parents are far more cautious and they say, oh, you know, be careful with that and don't touch that and no, no, that's too sharp. And then with the second child, you start to be a lot more lenient because A, you don't have as much time to be so uh, so on your motherly, fatherly on your first child. And uh, But second, I think it's because as parents, we learn that uh, that it's not the end of the world if they slip and fall sometimes, and that often this will teach them um, what the limits are. One reason that problem solving is important in child development is that it teaches discernment. That is to say, when it helps them distinguish if a problem is solvable. Um, problem solving uh, also develops a grit, a trait that successful uh, kids tend to display. And and this grit, you know, it's from you know trying to jump on handlebars in the in the local park, or it could be uh, pushing themselves at a, to paddle a, a paddleboard or a kayak across a cold lake. And uh, and also, it's natural that oftentimes the child will fail, and uh, and he will tip his canoe or slip on the rocks and bump his head, uh, fall off the bars at the kids' school. Um, and all of these things teach teach our kids, you know, oh, okay, the, the formula or the way I tried to reach those bars, jump over those rocks, or paddle that boat was not the way. And so they learn how the right way is. And by being successful on a second or third attempt at whatever it is they were trying to do, uh, children learn that uh, that problems can be solved. And I think this is very important for development at all types of ages. Um, so there you go. Um, a, a little bit about my background into how the outdoors became a problem-solving problem tool for myself is that since I was a kid, uh, about eight years old, my parents sent me to a kid's camp 
called Camp Kanawana in uh, on the east coast of Canada. And the camp focused on taking kids um, paddling on multi-day trips all over uh, a, a myriad uh, or, or a conglomerate of lakes that uh, that Quebec is known for. And these camping trips where you've got no adults except for the teenage uh, counselors were very, very important for my development and for my uh, confidence in, in life because when I was uh, paddling that canoe uh, with the kids out in the middle of a big lake, uh, it, it generated teamwork. Uh, when I was uh, jumping in and out uh, of boats in cold water, it generated uh, being being confident about what I can do in those situations and, and what I can't. Um, so all of these different um, activities at camp really set the stage for my becoming uh, confident about um, many things such as uh, outdoor activities. Because to, you know, even from uh, one of the things I was going to talk about is uh, at two years old and at, well, now three and, and five, my two little ones are very conscious about how they interact with and around a big a fire out when we're camping, and uh, and this risky behavior was was learned by a obviously instruction from from mommy and daddy saying okay don't get too too close but but be careful always stand uh, on the side where the smoke isn't coming to you um, and giving them recommendations but letting them sometimes learn the hard, hard way by oh kids standing in the smoke that's coming from the fire and they cough. And then they jump out of the way and realize, okay, that wasn't the, the best spot to, to put myself. And then they move over. Um, and uh, and in the same way, I learned that as a as a young kid at camp, uh, because I would be playing with a fire, and once even a marshmallow that was on fire from a kid blowing on it fell on my leg, burned me a little bit, and I ran to the lake and jumped in. Um, and I remember having been scalded by this burning marshmallow that had fallen on my leg. But I think even that moment was a learning uh, moment for me as a kid and being cautious around a fire because since then I was always making sure that nobody lets their burning marshmallow fall on anybody else, uh, particularly as my kids are always playing with fiery marshmallows. Um, but it was likely also uh, educative for the child whose marshmallow fell on my leg because um, these type of things teach us that, you know, our actions have consequences and that uh, that at the same time, you know, you're able to push limits. So you can blow on a marshmallow that has fire on it, but just make sure that you're not standing over another kid's leg or blowing uh, that marshmallow towards the face or body of another person. Um, and I think that while these are very simple uh, lessons, uh, they apply on a much bigger scale to things that we end up doing uh, as adults. So, so this kids camp was was really important uh, in my formative years in not only building up my confidence that I could accomplish uh, adventures that were difficult, and um, and I think that even translated to who I've become today because I just came back from what was a difficult uh, adventure up Kilimanjaro, and in my case because of the altitude, but at the same time I relished. Uh, pushing my limits because when I feel the best, it's often when I've pushed my limits the most. Um, and I think that as a child in the canoe trips, when it would rain or or we'd have a long paddling day or we were just generally exhausted from camping, um, it demonstrated to me that all these types of adventures, while they are um, most definitely uh, 
pushing the limits of children um, when when at a camp, that it sets the stage for the rest of life. And uh, I think I was reading somewhere that it's like between the age of uh, two and seven, it's some of the most uh, developmentally important years in a child's life uh, that could set the stage for a long time to come. So all this to say, you know, risky behavior, like sending your kid to a canoe camp, um, which does have its perils, such as falling in cold water or or too much rain on a storm and uh, kids tipping their canoe in a river and things like that. Um, when, when separated from uh, full adult supervision, because in this case, these kids had like 17-year-old kid, other kids, I would call, uh, taking care of them and guiding them. I think this this uh, sets the stage for developmental leaps that aid for the rest of a child's life. Funny enough, even now, I have a kid's camp. <laughs> so I thought that's pretty cool that, uh, that I was so, uh, that the impact of children's uh, camping uh, adventures that I had as a kid and being sent to camp uh, actually set the stage for my having my own camp. Um, and we've got a camp here in Whistler, BC, and basically it runs from July 1st uh, to the end of August as a day camp for kids that want to go uh, from 8.30 to uh, to 3 p.m. But we also, from July 31st to August 15th, have a kids camp for kids from seven to eighteen, seven to seventeen, eight to seventeen years old. My apologies, eight to seventeen years old, um, based out of Whistler, and uh, and we take them canoeing, we take the kids camping, hiking, biking, whitewater rafting, uh, and all sorts of wonderful activities like this. And I think that it's very important for for children to to partake in these things because it it helps them develop for the rest of their life. Um, a lot of the parents have been, that have that are registering their kids have writ even written to me saying, you know what, the pandemic made it very difficult for for my kid to get outdoors very much, and he's and he's glued to the screen and he's glued to his iPad and playing games and watching movies, and I and I very simply t uh, told the parent, you know, we have a no uh, screen time policy uh, during the day for, day for kids, so when they're at camp, uh, that screen is put away and it's filled with activities and uh, the. Kids sometimes are pushed back against, ah, oh, I don't have my iPad. But then after a day of paddleboarding and kayaking and jumping off the dock and racing after their kids, uh, while they do intend to get on their screen at the end of the day, they end up going home and going to sleep. And the parents are like, wow, I'm so excited. You know, he comes back with tons of stories of adventure and kayaking and canoeing. And then he passes out. And, and as a parent, you know, that physical activity we know adds a lot to, to children. And and at our camp, uh, which you can find at campecolar.ca, uh, sorry, campecolar.com, E-C-O-L-A-R-T.com. And if you go to the Whistler section, uh, our camp is uh, the Expeditioner's Adventure Camp uh, for Whistler. And it runs from, like I mentioned, July 1st to the end of August. And if you'd like to send your kids to our overnight camp, that one runs from July uh, 31st again to the August 15th. Um, you can always go on the website and check there and you'll have two sections. One, one that shows you, uh, our kids schedule for, uh, for the day camp and one that shows you the schedule for the overnight. And, uh, per week, if you're wondering, uh, for the kids camp is $1,500 per week. So that's our overnight camp and, uh, and it sets the stage 
for a lifetime of adventure. So I do recommend you send your kids along uh, because one of the things that we find very important at camp is to help push kids' limits um, when it comes to activity, fun, and adventure because it makes them grow so much. And a lot of the parents that often we see that had their kids glued to the screen will say, wow, I can't believe that's my kid kayaking back because uh, sometimes you can see your kids when we're uh, at a pickup point that's paddling. I can't believe that's my kid kayaking back. I'm so excited. Um, and I find that uh, that very impressive. And and while we do, we, the, your children are completely safe with us, um, I do think it's important that uh, that we push through. We'd say, hey, today you're steering the canoe uh, because we know that that uh, giving confidence in children to be the leaders of their group sometimes um, also helps them uh, develop as well. And and some will say, but that's risky because the child's canoe could uh, could tip because they've never steered a canoe. But it's not risky because uh, while the child and the parents might see it, it's so um, the we uh, the counselors uh, are always watching uh, the kids, and that makes it completely safe. But the child does feel, oh my god, I got to make these waves, otherwise my canoe is going to tip. And if it does tip, great, we're there to help them get up and over, and then try all over again. So, uh, so the risky behavior. Look, do look for kids camps that that promote healthy, risky behavior. A few other sports that um, that we send our kids to, um, aside from canoe camping and SUPing, is um, we did teach them to swim. And uh, and I think it's important that if uh, if you are around a pool often or if you do want to, to take a big step in teaching your, making sure your kid can swim around uh, a pool, we, start, we, we did the infant self-rescue course uh, for Mikio and Catalina, and basically you take them to this uh, swimming teacher that teaches the child that uh, instead of flailing around in a pool and drowning, how to float on their back, flip and float on their back until someone can come help them, or flip and swim to the edge of uh, of the pool. And we found this very helpful at the beginning and for our peace of mind. But the pool is another spot where healthy, guided, supervised, risky behavior is a great spot because... Um, this is where, you know, I've taught my kids that if they, they jump uh, deep into the water, that they're a bigger distance to get to the edge. And uh, and while I have, do have a ready hand to grab them uh, in case they don't make it to the edge, when I was first teaching them to swim, I would uh, let them struggle a bit before they got to the edge because in, I guess, in a, it's a good analogy that if you let those your kids uh, struggle or try uh, something difficult, uh, they often learn the solution to it. And swimming is kind of like a, a, a perfect example of that because the child is forced to figure out how to grab the, the edge of, of of the pool. And um, and if they were just caught every time by the helping hand, then, then they wouldn't uh, push their limits of trying to grab the edge. And I think that's how both of both my lady and I taught our kids to swim, and now when we go to pools all over the world, or even here in our own uh, pool, other parents are often looking at our kids and saying, "Like, how's it possible?" That, well, Katayda, when she was two, is swimming so well, and and to the edge, and and we give them our our little tips on teaching them how to how to swim. Um, another neat activity, uh, which is a very Whistler kid oriented sport, is uh, mountain biking. Um, and our both of our kids have gotten really good at balancing, obviously, their bike. Mickey has always never had, well, actually not never had training wheels, but 
when we first got him a bike, I put the training wheels on for like two weeks. Um, not even, I think it was like 10 days. And then um, I put him from training wheels with pet that he had pedals on to a Strider bike that had no pedals and no training wheels. And and this transition, um, even though he knew the concept of, okay, this is, you know, of pedaling a bike, he was able to uh, learn to balance himself much more quickly by being on a Strider. And, uh, and that's one of those, you know, sports where the way you teach your kid to bike is like it's very similar to the metaphorical way of of how you're teaching your kids in life because um by by not by removing the training wheels uh it, the training wheels become a limit on the kid and when the kid only uses uh training wheels on their bike they get accustomed to it and so they never really have to learn to balance their bike but but if you Give your child just a tiny little dash of biking with with uh, pedals and training wheels and then say, okay, I gave you an idea of what it's like to bike and to have that flow of riding. But now I'm taking those training wheels off and those pedals off and you're going to balance your bike because you felt you now have felt what it's like. Now I want you to to learn how to do it. And and I noticed that, yeah, for sure, with the kids had a few crashes when they were learning on their strider because um, that's how life goes and that's how learning that sport goes as well. And they'd wobble and dawdle and and, uh, and the front wheel would uh, bend and, and, and a few scrapes and bruises. But very quickly, uh, both of them learned how to balance on that bike. And I think it was about after three months or four months that, uh, that we switched Mikio from um, being on a Strider bike to being on a bike with pedals and no training wheels. Um, and so that's just a great example on how by letting your kid take the risk that he's going to fall and have a cut or a bruise by not using uh, training wheels, you push them to, to push their limits. And by pushing their limit of, hey, I got to balance this bike on my own, otherwise I'm going to fall, um, they end up learning. And, uh, and I think that's a great sport, like I mentioned earlier, analogy on how um, if you put training wheels on your kid's life, then, uh, then they'd never really learn what their own potentials are. So that's our way to, to teach uh, biking and, uh, and how to get uh, pedaling. And, and Mikio's now, he uh, goes to a biking kids camp in Worcester where he does 120 days uh in the summertime at the age of since he was three and a half. So, uh, so that's made leaps and bounds. And the other sport, which, uh, which I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, about letting your kids take risks is skiing. Um, it is the ski season here now in Whistler. Um, gear wise, uh, our kids have little, uh, junior Nordica skis and boots. I really like the boots as well that they have because they're quite comfortable. Um, but that's a sport where many people look at Katarina when she was two years old skiing and they say, well, ha, you know, how could, how could you let your daughter go skiing like that? She's going to fall and bonk her head. She's only knee, knee tall on a tall adult. And well, maybe not that short now, but, but a uh, tiny little thing and, uh, and risky behavior and she could get hurt. And, um, so, so to, tell you a little bit about how I got the kids into skiing was that to start, I put uh, a strap on them. And I think this is similar as the very beginning where I put 
uh, training wheels on Mikio's bike, but only for a very short time, was that it gives the kids a feeling of what it's supposed to feel like uh, to bike without training wheels or to ski without uh, straps. So, But the straps um, also protect the kid from falling. They don't feel like I'm only being held in my arms, which I think is a very different feeling when they're trying risky behavior because it's really a feeling that they get that I'm the, the you know, that they're the one trying, trying the activity. And then I put what's called an edgy wedgie on the front of the skis. And this pushes your kid to, to have a pizza shape, uh, on their skis when they're skiing and it teaches them to break. But these two items, particularly the edgy wedgie, the, I think the edgy, I used it for two days only. And that was enough so that the kids understood that they have to keep their skis, uh, in a pizza shape when they're slowing down at that age. And other parents would look at us and be like, you're crazy to take your ski, your kids skiing up a really big mountain down greens, hills and blue hills sometimes using just, uh, just the strap. But a, I'm a very comfortable skier. So I know I can take care of my kids just fine. But B, uh, I think this demonstrated to them what the feeling is like. Um, and then the next step was simply taking the straps away. And while, uh, Catalina uh, would often say, daddy, you're here, right? Daddy, you're here. Even when I'm skiing behind her, um, it's that confidence of like, I know I'm doing this on my own, but it's great to know that you're around, but it is risky because I may fall. <laughs> and the kids understand that. And Mikio also would often tell me when we're skiing and I'd ski behind daddy, you're here. And then I'd, I'd ski ahead of him and he'd see me in this this uh, made him feel confident, even though he was accomplishing the task on his own. And I think that's another part about uh, letting your kids do risky things in order to uh, push them, their cognitive and physical development, is that if they know you're watching and they know that there's perhaps what I call the hand of God that will save me sometimes, um, they still have the confidence to try things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to try if you weren't there and particularly at the beginning um so i think the kids when they learn to to ski by by how i taught them um gradually that became to hey i can ski on my own and i don't need to be asking if daddy's around um and now that the kids have been skiing for uh for this season i think that they've gone leaps and bounds into how how good they've become so really excited that on sunday i'll be skiing uh with the little ones and and uh from what their ski coaches say they're doing quite quite well and again just an example of another sport that uh that, that other some people might say well that's very risky to let your your kid go skiing um but also i think that it also helps them uh develop a lot because these sports uh, have fantastic uh, benefits for their cognitive uh, development and, and physical as well. Um, you know, some people will say, well, hey, you know, I can't, I can't afford to send my kids to ski, ski school because it is quite expensive. I think this year we spent like five grand just on the ski school, not even mentioning um, that they get all their skis and jackets and, and all other equipment peripheral, albeit in our case, they get it sponsored because of the work with that we do, um, but it is expensive. So, and uh, and then other people will say, "Well, even, I don't have a pool, and so how do I take my kid to do those things?" And I know that for some very uh, working parents, that that uh, they don't have time uh, to do that as well. 
So in these cases, they, these parents might say, "Hey, what about the jungle bars uh, at the park?" And and I and I say the same to you on this aspect than I would on any other, which is. Let your kids climb these jungle bars, and sometimes, yes, uh, let them fall. Um, sometimes, <laughs> you, you know, I'm the first to catch my kid uh, if he is falling off of one of those uh, jungle bar things. But, but it's no different. And I think the reason that there are parks all over the world is that uh, educators and and cognitive development specialists have understood that these jungle bars mimic a child climbing a tree. And uh, and it helps with their hand-eye coordination, which in turn helps with tasks that they could accomplish physically, um, and I think also with with their mind as well. So sometimes these jungle gyms look like an accident waiting to happen, but these accidents that sometimes do happen, and particularly the softer ones of just falling off and getting bumped, but not uh, not the kid that smashed his head on <laughs> on, a, on a jungle gym. Uh, I think these these definitely help. Uh, in the development of our children. So if, even if you don't have uh, these particularly access to these particular sports that I've been talking about to get your kids out into the outdoors, um, there are two places that are still very, very uh, available, which is parks, right, all over the world, um, where the kid can do jungle gyms and whatnot, and outdoors. The outdoors is another spot that uh, that I think it's important to let your kids take risks in because these jungle bar gyms, really what they're mimicking is uh, the bygone days of kids climbing trees um, because you're still doing the same type of activity. And it's funny that in uh, in a place like Whistler, it's really great that we have such a wonderful outdoors where the kids can practice um, these uh, adventures by jumping up the trees and climbing down. Um and and the outdoors is the ultimate playground that uh, that these jungle gyms are trying to mimic. So if you get get your kids out to the forest or the beach or um, or, or the tundra, whichever that type of topography that you have, and uh, and that it's outdoors, I think this is a great place to let your kids take risks from from climbing up uh, rocks and and uh, uh, jumping over roots and playing on the edge of lakes or in lakes. Um, I highly, highly recommend, you know, we let our kids often get quite wet from playing too near the water at the lake or in ending up in the water because, yes, they'll get soaked and their clothes will get wet, but at the end of the day, uh, it also demonstrates to them that clothes stay wet when they're cold, <laughs> if they're not merino wool, um, and that it also shows them their their limits. Also, you know, my mom has always uh, often commented that my kids are very sure-footed, and, uh, and and they run and they jump, and sometimes, like, my mom's like, oh, my God, something's going to happen with the kid jumping over a table or something, and I, and I, I remind them that the outdoors... Uh, jungle gym is the most incredible one of all that has showed them that uh, you can jump over rocks, you can sl slide under roots, you can um, do all these things that helps their hand-eye, hand-foot coordination. So by spending lots of time going over slippery rocks or roots uh, or sand, the kids develop an understanding of how to uh, clamber around all of these different terrains. And uh, and while it is possible that they slip, fall, bump their head, uh, dig into dirt, get dirty and all that jazz, uh, I think that these risks are very healthy because it, it 
the the, the positive far outweighs uh, the negative. Um, mountain biking, I think I spoke to you about that. Uh, you know, Mickey has gone uh, leaps and bounds on that sport, but um, nature has sticks and stones, and uh, and I I often say that um, I've I don't tell my kids don't throw rocks. I tell them throw rocks safely. Um, so the different differentiator is there is like, no, not everything that you touch is dangerous, like scissors or a knife. Um, it's dangerous if used the wrong way. And, uh, and I think that it's, I'm delighted that my kids have, have kind of come to understand that it's totally okay to throw a rock as far as you want and, or over a lake. Um, but it's not okay to throw a rock at someone because that could hurt them, whereas the other one is just making them learn more about the environment that's around them. Um, and there's nothing like playing uh, with natural objects and using their imagination outdoors. Another, you know, sometimes they pick up sharp sticks, and, I, and I, instead of telling them no playing with sharp sticks, it's, okay, you always have to point a stick down. You never run with a sharp stick in your hand, and you never point or poke anybody with it. And and by their understanding of this um, w object that could be dangerous, but still um, giving them the responsibility of making the right decisions uh, to make sure that that object doesn't hurt anybody, I think adds a significant amount of confidence to a child's behavior. Because if you trust your child by teaching them, then they end up trusting themselves and their decision making. And I think this is a very important tool uh, in life, obviously, and I think you would probably agree with that. Um, there's a lot of different destinations, um, whether they're in your backyard or in the backcountry or in completely on the other end of the planet, that are very healthy uh, to take your kids to if you really want to find places that they could do uh, risky behavior in a safe way. Um, Sending your kid to a kid's camp, I mentioned that earlier. Um, send them to ours in Whistler, but no, um, sincerely, sending your kids to a kid's camp teaches them that a lot of outdoor perceived risky behavior is not as dangerous as it seems, particularly when you do it the right way, and that it's fun. And I think one of the key cornerstones of letting your kids take risks is letting your kids take risks in fun situations so that they can conceptualize the world around them and how uh, they can move through that world. Um, so, so that's definitely uh, another aspect. Also, um, I mentioned definitely camping uh, is, a, is a place where your kids learn uh, to, to do risky activities without... Um, with, but in a responsible way, such as working around the fire and playing with sticks and stones and, and climbing trees and clambering over rocks. Um, and, uh, and mishaps will happen. You know, kids will slip once in a while and bump their head or, or scrape their knee. But, uh, but I think it's just very important to have um, a great attitude about it and react well to when things go wrong with, with children in, and taking risky behavior. And, of course, to have an ample medical kit to take care of whatever situation uh, you may be encountering. So, uh, so I hope you like tonight's show with just talking about letting your kids take risks, how we push them to take risks, what type of destinations such as kids' camps um, are optimal for that. And, uh, and I, you know, it's always a learning curve for us to be a good parent. 
and uh, and I'm sure it is for you as well. But these were just some of the tips um, that we find are great in uh, letting your kids take risks. I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners, coming to you again tomorrow with a show, and we'll post about that shortly. But uh, wishing you all a very good evening from home in the mountains. Expeditioner, out. <laughs>